Welcome to Unveiled Podcast, uh, where we are unveiling our, our own personal stories and unveiling other people's stories about personal growth and uh, uh, transformation through the use of plant medicines and any other, you don't have to be psychedelic, but we're using that as a lens to come in. I think, it, yeah, it's, it's psych- you said this either in group or wherever you said it recently, maybe even last week in our podcast, but the psychedelic is an assist. Yeah. The growth and learning and development mm. that's what we're yeah. really into that's what we're channeling. That, that's what we want yes and for some people the psychedelics really a catalyst for that it can focus it for other people meditation mm-hmm. uh, Yoga, whatever whatever breath yeah. work cold yeah. all Exercise, sorts of ways yeah, to yeah. get get out of your head and right. into your heart space right. where you can really find growth and healing and so and that's like, what we want to talk about and i like the little arc that we've saying for future guests and whatnot to Kind of get under the surface, get unveil a little bit. Let's yeah, let's, let's pull see, back the veil. Let's see how come you're in this place right now uh, and not somebody else. Right. And what's what's your growth? Like, what are the things right. you're personally learning? Right. I, that to me is different than tell me all the thoughts you have about psychedelics or you know where is it going. That's a thought stuff. I'm interested in getting down into this heart space. Yeah, yeah. What's going on inside right. you? What is, what's shifted for you? What's how how have you personally changed? As a result of going on yeah. this journey. Yeah. So that's kind of, if that's what Unveiled is, today is going to be my opportunity to interview you, Dave, yeah. and really dig into where your journey's been. I've, I've said forever, Peg Peters is the best interviewer. Mm. I, I'm good. But when we would, what was that little bit we would do at uh, Nexus? Faces? Oh, yeah, Faces of Nexus. You bring up like six, seven minutes. We'd bring someone up from the crowd and say, we got seven minutes with you. Let's go. Right. And I was, I did faces when you weren't there. Mm. So if you weren't at a nexus, then I would do faces and it was fine. But when you did faces, you, you were able to draw mm. out of people what the, the real issues. Maybe that's because what you're listening for. You have such a yeah, good maybe, for Yeah, I, I love it. It's so a, I feel it's honored a, oh, to be interviewed by awesome. you today. Yeah, it's great. So yeah, let, let me just put a little bit of color around yeah, it and then dive around. into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess one of the things that um, one of the things that interests me. So, I mean, if I, I know if I get interested, then it's gonna then I'm gonna be all jacked you're, you're up. Reading in the there. article, yeah, yeah. One of the interesting things is is you, you come with such a so you've got this thirty year history as a as a trauma therapist, a marriage and family therapist. Then you discover kind of late in your career these interesting tools, these medicines that are really changing the face of your entire industry, your entire career is, is impacted by this. So there's that element that I'm super curious about yeah. on, on, on how you encountered it. But again, this for this story, I'm interested in what are the things that began to shift for you yeah. when you had your first mushroom trip and then all the subsequent you know journeys that you've been on, but now you get a perspective of going, Rather than just talking about one experience, you begin to start to see a pattern of what's what was shaping for me. Oh yeah. So yeah. let's yeah. Th- take us into what drew you into doing uh, that. You said I got to have my first experience. Yeah, uh, and and maybe I'll give the larger yeah. kind of container and then it'll embed down into that into that moment, which you were obviously such a big part of. Um, so I think a lot of people know my my general story. I grew up uh, in a in a dysfunctional, use that word, home. My dad uh, had a problem with drinking, with gambling. My mom was had a mood disorder of some sort. 
and, and you know we weren't we were poor and it just we were a family that just mm. wasn't holding on to things very well and it was really hard on me and you know i i think it would qualify you know under ace factors and whatnot I think I have four aces. Wow. And four aces is significant, yeah. right? That's usually four. Uh, adult childhood experiences. Adverse. You, adverse childhood experiences. We can, you know, check it out. Just Google that. It's the biggest another, study in the Another 90s. podcast for another 10. Yeah. So anyways, I had yeah. four. And um, when I was in uh, high school, my father died of cancer. And then shortly after that, my sister got into a lot of trouble and uh, my mom had to move out of town. My brother moved out of town. So I was living on my own at 16, which sounds, it, it sounds crazy in 2021 yeah. language. It, unfortunately, in Kamloops in 1975 you know, or whatever it was, that just wasn't all that strange. Mm. And um, so, but I, you know, I loved it. I hated mm. my family. I'm mm. glad they fell apart. And mm. so then uh, there were odd series of events. I wasn't a Christian. But uh, I was a spiritual guy. We talked about that a bit last week. But um, I, I got con my brother got connected with a Bible college, and he got his life together, and enough to attract me. Aware whatever whatever Kool Aid you're drinking, I want part of that. Right, that and then seems I, to help you settle you down. Right, got in got in kind of into the Canadian Bible College world. Mm -hmm. I remember after my first week there, my freshman year. Um, Mike uh, came to see me because you know he was his little brother was at school and whatnot. He was a second year student by then, and he, he I remember pulling me aside. He goes, "Dave, Dave, everyone really likes you. You're really popular." And he was he goes, "One thing I, I he said, y you can't say fuck as much." <laughs> this is your brother warning you. Like, he's, like he knows he knows me. He knows the world right. we grew up like, in. No, he knows you're not. You, I know you don't think it's like a a bad a word, but it, it's a real bad word here. Like the right. and, I, I, and I just went, oh. Okay. No fuck, I can do that. Okay. I don't have to say fuck, right? right? And uh, that's just kind of cute. Anyways, I got into that universe. Um, uh, Jesus, as I learned, the Jesus I learned from evangelicalism turned out to not be such a great Jesus after all. But at first it was really cool. Hmm. As I had community, um, I think I've told you to, I, like, people cared if I was... We had curfew, like on a mm. Friday night, we'd be in our rooms by 12. This was a novel concept to me. Right. And and I had breakfast in the mornings, like every morning. And mm. so I just think I got parented and right. that was beautiful. But then, uh, because I wasn't dealing with any of my stuff from childhood, it, it just kind of went off the rails. The the performance of, of evangelical yeah. Christianity, like you got to, you know... Moral performance. Like I, I somehow learned that masturbating wasn't like a cool thing. Mm. And, you know, at... at 20 years old, you know, wow. it, it's like, you know, sport, right? right? This right. is what you do. And so that, that put me into a tough bind because I, you know, again, it's not like we're talking about the fact that we're masturbating. So I thought I was the only one. Right, right. And, and, and then, then you got the, the, you know, the sin of the high hand, you got the Aiken oh, right? sin, you got all the biblical and references. The Aiken sin would mess me up probably more than any of them. Because right. again, unlike you guys, I knew none of these stories. Right. So I thought they were all about me. Right. So then the preacher that's, preaching on this one thing you're like that's me i'm the one wrecking the moral fabric I, of the school i honestly believe that it was spiritual <laughs> emphasis weekend this, there won't this, be revival because you're masturbating that's how it landed in my brain no one said those exact words to me but that's what i heard right. and i again i'm listening to a, now a very skilled orator i've never heard anyone that knows how to use polemic mm. knows how to make a case mm. right i've i watched 
TV. And <laughs> here's, you know, tell you what you want about these preachers. Mm. They know how to work an audience. Yeah. The good ones. Yeah. Right? And so I was... Just and, putty in their hands. Yeah. And, you know, when he talked about Aiken was a guy that... I don't know what he did, but... He buried some... Tree, he had stolen treasure. Stolen some, and then, and then Joshua it. said to everybody... Okay, someone does one person here that's holding everything back. So you know, yeah, yeah, and take it. And he said one person. I assumed it was me. Right. That was not a good oh, moment for me. Man. Anyways, um, beautiful ending to all of that was that I met and married Adele. Mm. Just had my fortieth anniversary, Congrats. and you know my my partner is um, really one of the most gentle, accepting people on the face of this earth and I needed that human mm -hmm. and so uh, I'm going to start with this so yeah. anyways we went you know we got married we started having kids but I was still in the church as a I was in, in Edmonton as a, a youth not youth but a college career pastor yeah. staff counselor that kind of thing and I just it just all fell apart I just I had major depression I just all fell apart I had to quit and I didn't know what to do and so because I had a graduate degree in in counseling, I thought yeah. I could leverage it, and so I was able to become a therapist. Yeah. And did all my great work, got into, like you said, I was a trauma-informed therapist as soon as I started working, because you have to be. That's what was flooding into our counseling mm -hmm. rooms. And uh, I was one of the, me and Terry Voth here in town, were two of the very first therapists in Canada certified in EMDR, which is a, a mm -hmm. trauma response. It was beautiful to learn that. And then, and then in the 80s, I, I learned, or late 90s, I mean, I, I, I learned mindfulness, meditation and then I, I did a training with Dick Schwartz, Richard Schwartz mm -hmm. IFS and got kind of got IFS thing and I was doing really well. I was doing like you were my best friend at the time and, and you, we were leading what we were leading and I mean I could get mm -hmm. anxious yeah right but I didn't think about it and mm -hmm. it was it was way it was so much better than it used to be that I you know I didn't it didn't dominate the headlines mm -hmm. of my life. Um, however um, it, it was hurting me, but I just never talked to anybody about it. You were probably the only person that knew everything about me. No one else really did. And, um, and you know, I just never stopped to think about it. Like, why is this still here? Mm. Like a very simple question. Why am I still having problems right. with anxiety and, and this sort of thing? And, but, because mostly I was doing fine. And then, you know, Sean died and just how... The, the ideas that you and I have talked about, about um, with the, the mindfulness attitudes, mm -hmm. about accepting and right. being open and all of that. Can the, each moment be a moment to be worked with? Yeah. The John Kabat-Zinn stuff. Right. That was, that was early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. And that Green Day song, yeah. you know, Good Riddance. You know, it's something unpredictable, but in the end is right. Hope you have the yeah. time of your life. Yeah, yeah those are when, seeds. When time yeah. grabs yeah. you by the wrist, directs you where to go. Yeah. That's that's life. We're yeah. living with COVID. Yeah. COVID. Uh, even we talked in group last night about trauma is not polite. Yeah, life is not polite. Doesn't ask our doesn't permission. ask permission to say, "Can I enter into your world with right. this issue?" Right. Uh, nope. You don't. They do, They don't ask. Trauma yeah. just happens. Yeah. And as spiritual people, we would mm -hmm. inquire. Like mm -hmm. this seems hard for us humans, God. Mm -hmm. And and so the morning after Sean died, I, I remember being at the crash site, and and completely torn apart as you can imagine and just uh inquiring of, of god like what's going on and how did you take my what, 15, 16 year old son 17, 17 yeah 17 and the and the, and the words came back with with compassion and understanding but truth nonetheless it said mm -hmm. it's something unpredictable 
this thing called life. Um, mm. I hope you have the time of life with it. And I realized, oh, this is a moment of life right now. Right. It's not pleasant, yeah. but it's life, and I need to engage mm. it. And so those ideas serve me well, yeah. and I could, I could almost take pride, in a sense, on how well our family managed a, a you know, real tragic event like that. <clears throat> and we did. Um, but you, you drew people into your grief. Yeah. You brought a community around you, you and you said, I'm going to be authentic. And Adele and I, you're going to see and feel our grief, and you're going to help hold it. And you invited us in. The community at Nexus invited them in. And that was such an incredible yeah, experience it was, and, and so it was beautiful. I know that you and others have said it for you, but how beautiful it was for us not mm -hmm. to. And so anyways, you know, you can, um, I think I was left with a tacit understanding of myself that I was, I was healed. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the other little piece was that um, after, after the acts, after Sean died, um, something changed inside with me, inside of me, vis-a-vis -vis therapy. I needed to get out of it. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I quit CARES and I, you know, for about five years did another thing. Uh, and I think I, might, I probably also just had like compassion fatigue that had been growing for like yeah. 15 You've been done so much yeah, therapy yeah, right. at that time. Yeah, right? yeah. Thousands and thousands. Yeah. Like I think at one point it was like 16,000 hours or something. So it's yeah. a lot. And I think, so I really did need to take a break. Because um, I just I knew I was, couldn't do it anymore, um, and then started in around 2014, 15. I started to get back into it, and I re I was reminded as soon as I started get back into therapy, I was reminded how hard therapy was. Mm. Just and and I would be seeing people from the trauma model, which the trauma model basically says all the symptoms of our life: anxiety, depression. Um, Worry, addictions, yeah, addictions, all that. These are not evidences of the brain working incorrectly. That's the double negative. These, the brain's working just fine. These are evidences of a prior injury. These are symptoms of I mean, an injury. Yeah. And as, as Brad Burge says so well, PTSD does not go away by itself. Okay. And so I, I'm by this time, I mean, I'm teaching this, this stuff at graduate school. I know it really well, Peg. Mm -hmm. And so I have the trauma model real clear in my mind and I'm seeing people again and I know what's happening. I can, I can parse a person really quickly. I know I can diagnose them and understand them, but to get through the defenses mm -hmm that they have erected to keep you away from this trauma. It takes decades sometimes, maybe. Yeah. If, if ever, Ben Sousa, if you get a chance yeah, to listen ben to Ben, Sousa. isn't he great? Oh, one of the best. Yeah, MDMA therapist from, yeah. uh, um, from England. And, and he, he says, by the time a person is 30 years old, they have perfected their defenses. You are not getting through, and they certainly are not going to talk about their feelings. Yeah. Right? And, and I was... And it had, I, I, really, Peg, I'd say I'm about as skilled uh, a therapist working with defenses, mm -hmm. bringing compassion, bringing understanding, using great models. Yeah. And half the time I just couldn't get through. Wow. And then, That's frustrating. And we were, we were leading um, some sort of group downstairs, uh, not here, but a in, my, in, in uh, my other place, in the grotto. Or not the grotto, but the living, yeah, living yeah, room yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And one night... Afterwards, we were chatting, and you said to me, uh, "Hey, do you know what psilocybin is?" I went, "No," mm. and you went, "I read something about psilocybin. That's magic mushrooms, like, yeah, whatever." And you said something, and I just kind of whatever. 
I, mm. I, I, you're, I should, no, I shouldn't say I dismissed you, because I never dismiss you. Mm-hmm. You, when you're, when you're bringing stuff to me, I know you've, mm-hmm. I know you, that something's caught your interest yeah, and yeah. a little shiny object that I, yeah, but yeah, it just yeah, was yeah, too, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. It's just like, ah, oh, that's interesting, Peg. And then what did you do? Um, but then you, got, you kind of just put that you logged that in your but, brain. But it must have opened my awareness yeah. a little bit to this. And then I read an article on um, MDMA therapy for PTSD hmm. trials starting. And honestly, I didn't even know what MDMA was. Hmm. So I'd like, oh, because in the article they said like bracket ecstasy right, bracket. Right, right. I went ecstasy. So when right. I was with my other job, I was an, I was leading a national substance abuse program. And I've been to this major conference on substances just like a year earlier. And one of the keynote speakers, this woman who's just like brilliant in the substance space, she says, if I think of all the street drugs, ecstasy is the most dangerous of all the street drugs. And I I don't know any difference. I don't do street drugs. So I just made like Mm, ecstasy bad, 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 ecstasy Mm. bad, like the worst, worse than heroin. And so I read this article that said, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I just was still kind of skeptical. But then it was like, again, within a month, I read another article. Johns Hopkins University breakthrough therapy with Mm. uh, people with... uh, End of life? End of life anxiety. Yeah. And I think for me, it's because it said Johns Hopkins on it. I was like, okay, this is one of the... They're incredible. They're world class. Maybe the... Yeah, world class. One of the tops in the world. And I think that's when I came back to you and said, yeah, guess what? I read this article. Mm. And and that was really cool because you and I then, you could feel that energy between us. Because yeah. we'd been we'd been kind of going off on our own little roots. And I just think the psychedelic mm. conversation, do you, would you oh, agree yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. gave us a new little yeah, thing. A, a, a new kind of like event <laughs> diagram. Our interests collided again. Right. And, you know, uh, I think Nexus was ending. Uh you know, you know, yeah, 16, 15, 16. Yeah. yeah, and we were looking, you know, I was interested in, a, in, in this kind of stuff. And yeah, you I were leaving, you were kind it. of with TELUS, but you yeah. were you were really starting Run for Water. Yeah, you Run just, for Water was going Social strong. advocacy yeah. and was just going crazy. So good. we found this interest in this. Yeah, we stayed, you know. kept us yeah. connected. Right, yeah. exactly. And um, and just you told some of this story last week, but you know we, we got the course and we're talking about yeah, all the time. Yeah, we did that course together. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's psychedelics today. Right. Paul, uh, Kyle and uh, Kyle and Joe. They're great guys. They really oh. are. I feel like you know in the whole um, uh, psychedelics, I think my, like my 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 best friends kind of thing. In that they they are so grounded. They are they they for me they pass the smell test on so many things. They have a great appreciation for Western science. They don't go too far into like they're like we're not indigenous shamans. Right, right. We're not going to pretend we are. But we're really gonna... open, right? Exactly. So and they understand the group process. They understand. They're just they're they're good. and they're just saying you know, they're pockets psychedelics today, today. One of the best. The reason yeah. that I kind of felt like I left it was because they're trying by intention. They're they're talking to a broad yeah. audience, most yeah. of which is recreational use. Yeah. But they're also interested in the therapeutic use. Mm-hmm. But they're but they're not just the therapeutic yeah. use. And the stuff with the therapeutic use is kind of entry level. So uh, I've been I've gone to yeah. different kind of places, but I just I just always loved Joe and Kyle. Mm-hmm. And I was on some panel a month ago and, and Kyle was there. Oh, and he was like, Hey Dave, and we just had a nice little chit chat oh, together. Cool. Anyways. So, so yeah, we did that course together, and we're really yeah. jazzing on psychedelics. And I'm, I'm, re- everything I'm reading in it, Peg, mm-hmm. from my perspective as a therapist, is saying things that make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. The the theories behind it just are conceptually so sound 
that I'm just really getting excited. I just can't wait to start mm. trying to use these things. But I don't. But that we didn't know, and I don't know any at the time. I didn't know anybody that had mushrooms. Mm. I'm not going to go to a dealer. Right. And and also, I, I just tell you that when I was uh, when I was 16, I worked at a, a summer job, in between grade 11 and 12, for a local newspaper. Uh, the, the Daily Sentinel, and, and me and another moron teenager was, um, w what we did was go around recruiting paper boys. That okay, was basically okay. our job. His name was Craig. And on, on my, he went to different high school, so I didn't know him that well. And he came in on, on Monday, and he was white as a ghost. Like, he just was shook up. He could barely talk normal. I go, what? what's wrong? What's wrong? He says, Dave, Dave, was it a party on Saturday night? And, and we did blotter, which is like LSE. We did this blotter acid. And I was trapped in my mind in a room for 10 hours with these large insects that were trying to kill insects. me. Insects. Insects. And he was like terrorized. And I just made a note in my brain. Oh. If acid, which everyone heard about. I heard about acid. Yeah, I was yeah. probably curious. If acid could do that, I'm never doing acid. I don't want to be 10 no hours one. trapped with a big insects in my mind. I don't care if you give me an audience with God. If I've got to maybe... Do the other? Yeah. No chance. Yeah, no we way. had no, we had no idea about right. set and setting right. at that time, about how to prevent that from happening. And we had you, no idea. Don't you find it kind of interesting, and in, even in our relationship, because we were always kind of on the cutting edge of kind of interesting avant-garde yeah. alternative stuff. I mean, we started doing weed before it was you know really mainstream yeah. and all that. We never even opened our brain. I to, just didn't have people around me experimenting with that right i just don't what did I didn't you have any what friends. did you think magic mushrooms did like maybe 20 years ago I, 20 years ago i just thought oh it's crazy like i, I didn't even know what it was it right. would be like but because i'd never done any substances like i so i didn't even have you know weed as a reference point to say is it kind of like weed? you barely got into alcohol 20 right. years ago exactly right. like right. i started drinking in my 30s for the first time right. in my life right like that's cr that's how sheltered i had been you really were yeah that's it's big incredible. time shelter and yet consider yourself such an open culturally engaged yeah. human but yeah. that was one we just never really opened that yeah. door right so anyways yeah. um come now to uh it was christmas time just after christmas and adele and i'd um, had gone down to visit my brother in Sacramento, and then we uh, we met up in uh, Sacramento or San Francisco with some friends, and then we drove home. So we had this like one week little journey, and um, uh, I went into a, an Italian restaurant with my brother Mike and his family, and we went to this restaurant, and we opened the door, and Mike goes, "Oh, don't you love the smell of Italian food and whatnot?" And I went, "Yeah, I can't smell." Ah, you, your sense of smell was off. Yeah, and that was, like, that was the first... Um, there were things that were yeah. happening, but yeah. I just kind of... I just assumed I had a bad cold that wouldn't go yeah. away. And I remember thinking... At that time, I went... I laid in bed that night and thought, okay, I've lost my sense of smell for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. My All the problems I'm having are only on my left side. Oh. Um, I'm, I've got bleeding. Um, so we were on the ride home from Sacramento on the five and we were just in Southern Oregon and I was driving along and then, you know, I'm pretty sure most people know who my wife is, but she's a nurse, nursing professor. So she knows, yeah. I, I can never tell her things cause she's going to get into that diagnosis yeah. mode. I know she will. And I said to her, Hey, I, I got to tell you something. Hmm. Um, Something's going on with my body. Something's going on with my body. I don't think it's good. Hmm. So of course she starts Googling up. She goes, I think you have like cancer. Oh, 
I think you have cancer. Is well, the first... symptoms were that like you've got maybe some kind of tumor. Something's going something. on. Something. Yeah. She said this. Or... Yeah. It seems you seem to be ticking the boxes. Uh... So she made me promise that I would talk to a doctor. And I'm like most men. I don't want to go see a doctor. But thankfully, your brother's a friend. Yeah. So at my 60th birthday party, I uh, he was there, and uh, I said, "Hey, can I can I talk to you about something that's going on?" And this is at a party. Mm, I, yeah. I corner your poor brother, yeah. and I told him, and he said, "Oh, Dave, we need to get that looked at right away." He says, "I'm going to give you a referral mm. to a specialist," and I was like, "Oh." Kind of hope, kind of hoping you'd go a little like, different. No deal. Yeah, take yeah. some Tylenol or whatever. You're like, no, no, this is serious. And so um, I did see his guy, and I remember his guy said and said, "Oh yeah, we." I had to do a like a, a head scan, a hmm. cat scan or yeah. something, whatever it is, and he said, "Yeah, we found some." Wow. And as, he goes, it's, "You have a large uh, mass in your head," and uh, it's like, "Okay." He goes, "Okay, so here's the thing. It's one of three things." It's either either a bacterial sac, at which which case uh, we'll just uh, drain it, whatever. It'd be not a big deal, he said. Uh, second of all, it's probably uh, a benign tumor, and he had some name yeah. for it. And he said, if that's the case, it's going to be big surgery because mm -hmm. we're going to have to cut it out. And he said, mm -hmm. it's possible it's malignant. Okay, so if it is malignant, then that's a lot to hold. Holy yeah. crap! Well, as, I, as you say it to me, I'm just sitting here going. Wow, I've got a fucking tumor in my But that's head. not how it bedded out to me. You remember, it was only a week. He said, so this is what he said to me. He says, and if that's the case, we're not going to do, mm. I'll stop the surgery because then i got to refer you. You didn't feel any fear in I'll the tell you, I'll tell you. But so I, I, I said to him, okay, great. He goes, all right, um, uh, I'll be right back. And he goes out of the room, mm. like 30 seconds basis, okay. This was a, this was a Thursday. He said, we've got you booked for surgery next Friday. Wow. He says, I have a waiting list of 200 people and you're at the top of that waiting list. And wow. I thought, naively thought, it's because he liked me. <laughs> and he's like, we had a nice right. connection. That's together. why they bump people right. up. And so I came out, told Adele the whole story and she said to me, he thinks you have cancer. And I went, mm. you see, that's the problem with you medical types. He didn't say that, Adele. Uh, he said, yes, there's a possibility, but probably I have this other thing. She went, she just said, Dave, you don't get moved to the top of the list. You and obviously I just, missed something. And I just said, whatever, you just, you know, yeah, I don't know if yeah, you remember yeah. this, but Adele and I kind of, we didn't fight, but I was just like, leave me Dismissive alone. Dismissive of that. And I, that whole week, I was just great. I was great. I just felt connected to myself. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. The day before, I lost my balance a bit. I started to get this sort of stuff. Anyways, then I had the surgery and I met with him afterwards. And it was big surgery, and he said uh, he, he was so happy. So I said, "Oh, you, you seem to good." He said, Dave, that was the funnest surgery, most enjoyable surgery, I've done in years. And I said, "Really? Why?" He goes, "Well, as I told you last week, we thought you had cancer, oh, and it would have been terminal. And we when, it, when it when it turned out to be benign, oh, it was benign. I was just so relieved, oh. and I went." How did I miss that? How did I miss that key piece? You said you said you thought distance. it was benign, yeah, and it might be malignant. But like you malignant. actually said was it's probably malignant, wow. and that's why Adele that's was why right. You need someone with you when you're in these that, moments. That's a takeaway. Yes, that's Have a takeaway. Someone else listen. You're you not only hear what you want to hear. But so it was a big surgery, and gay. No, I'm fine. I mean, it's I got stuff, but I mean, I'm not nothing like threatening. But the recovery was hard. Mm. And we had had a trip booked with some friends to go to Florida. 
about uh, three weeks later, two weeks later. And I asked the doctor, can I fly? He said, yeah, you can fly. So we went there. And while I was there, it, it, I had to take so many T3s for the pain of the post-op yeah. that I got really super duper bad constipation. And it was like, I've, you've, I've heard about this like a movie, never had it myself, but it was, the, this one day was hell. Wow. It just was horrible. And that night I laid in bed and it was horrible, but also I was not doing well. There was, I just mm. was struggling so much with something, with God, with, I was going restless. direction. I was with... having a moment of the soul right. and I didn't even sleep that night. And the next day we went to catch our flight home or a couple days later, catch our flight home and it was delayed. And I had five hours in this little county airport in, right. in north, northwest about. Florida. And so um, I said uh, to Adele and her friend went to the bar and my other buddy was building a house. So he's just going to be online with specs and stuff. So it was on my own. So I, I'd read about this Netflix movie called Paddleton. Mm. And uh, oh, that's a and movie. and I I heard it was good. Ray Romano, Mark uh, Duplass, just about good aging and well, pain. no, uh, medically assisted assistance in dying. Oh, sorry, die. Yeah, yeah. not aging. Yeah, death. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah. dying of cancer, yeah. and it's yeah. so well done. Mm. And I'm just bawling my eyes out at the end of this thing, and I think it really opened my heart up. So then I went on a walk for two hours, and God and I had it out. And at the end of it, he said, Dave. Uh, come back to therapy mm. you've been i know you've been avoiding it i know that you've been keeping it at arm's distance mm. but you're a healer mm. and i just said i'm so scared i'm so scared mm. of, of of letting people down there's people trauma are so hard and he said he said um you you decide who you want to see mm. and i said i said okay if you open the right doors i will walk through them and I just felt a peace come over me. I went and found Adele. Mm. We went to that part of the airport where I had that moment. We cried. Mm. It was beautiful. That was a Sunday. And I texted you and said, I got something to say to you. And you said, I got something to say to you. I said, great. Do you want to have breakfast tomorrow? So it was either Monday or Tuesday of that Tuesday. week. We I met at that, that white, yeah. white spot. Yeah. And uh, you said, uh, uh, Dave, I got something to say to you. And I said, Peg, I got something. And you <laughs> said, you said, uh, let me go first. So this is before I even mm -hmm. told you what yeah. had happened. You said, Dave, you have to start moving past me. Don't let me hold you back with the psychedelics. I'm not, you need to be, do this therapeutically. I'm, my, like, my let's, let's take some risks my, underground my interest and start doing is, this My work. interest is kind of yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a therapist, but you are, and you need to start yeah. going. And then I said, well, uh, Peg, I just asked God to open a door. Mm. And, use, and so... I got I got hardcore with it. I said, okay, giddy up, we're going. I took that the, the Joan Kyle's therapist course, yeah. and I started to network, and I started to learn, like really learn. And mm -hmm. there was one thing that was going on in this whole thing, which was you can't um, really hold space for someone with with psilocybin if you've not done it yourself. Yeah, that is such an important piece. Right, this whole puzzle. Because you cannot understand what people are about to experience in an altered state if you have not been in that state. Yeah, and if Full you want to, you want to safely do it. Yeah, you have to understand the territory. Yeah. Now that made that made conceptual sense to me. I didn't disagree yeah. with that, but 
I don't know. I don't know how to get. Yeah, where would I get that? And even experience? if I found mushrooms, who am I going to find to hold space right. for me? What they, therapist do I know? There's none that exists. None. And so I, I, you know, I would be trying. Like this is we're talking. There's maybe three people in BC underground that are doing this. Like, and we don't we even know them. We didn't. We don't even know them. You and I at once considered going to Amsterdam. Yeah. To do it because they had truffles there or something. Yeah, and we're like, hey, we found this place. We could probably fly there. Maybe check out the prices. And our wives are going, that's thousands of dollars, and right. it was crazy. And then, um, uh, so and then uh, I started meeting with this therapist uh, group um, led by a guy from Norway. Oh yeah, that's online. Uh, group, yeah. Oscar, he's great. Guy. He was great, and he got me connected to a lot of other people. And then Joe and Kyle came back and said, hey, look, we're trying to put an internship together in Jamaica for December. Uh, we'd love it if you could be part of it. You would take people on trips. You'd have your own trip. I guess it's legal yeah. in Jamaica. Yeah. And uh, he says, we're just working on work visas, but would you be interested? I said, sure. I mean, if nothing else happens between them, mm -hmm. you know, there'd be like $10,000. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, ah. So I said, well, let me think about it. And then at the same time, um, Oscar got me connected to, he goes, Dave, you're always asking about what's the difference in law and whatnot in Canada versus the States. And he said, we, there's a guy in our group who's a Canadian underground psychologist, uh, psychedelic mm -hmm. psychologist, and he said he'd be willing to meet with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so uh, I set up a phone call with this guy. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. And we got on the phone. He said, oh, tell me about yourself. And I said, da-da-da. And he said, he said, um, have you had your own experience yet? It's the first question. Right. Me. And I went, no, I haven't, but I, I'm not close to I it. I sat beside Exactly. exactly. I'm, I, I'm not close to it. I just haven't had it yet. He said, um, you are not allowed to go any further in this until you have your own experience. Hmm. I went, no, 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 no. I get it. I tried to talk him into it. I'm, I'm just, like, I'm learning. I'm reading. I'm, I'm just, it's going to be I'm great. smart. I'm a therapist. I'm yeah. not like, I know you think I'm this guy, but I'm not. I'm, yeah. I, I know this doctor. I know this, right? And finally, he said, after five minutes of that banter, he goes, um, anyways, we're done. Give me a call when you had your experience and hung up. And I was so mad because hmm. I'm not mad at him, but mad at like, what? how am I going to do that? Right. I, if I need to have an experience. I don't know how to even have it. Right. This is June. Yeah. And now the only iron I have in the fire is December. Yeah. Maybe. Right. <laughs> and right. I, and right. I thought, and then you and I were so excited about it. We we're talking yeah. about all the time. Every day. Right. And now I just got to stop. And then a week later, he, he called me, the same guy. Mm. And he said, I found an underground therapist for you. Wow. And I was like, well, thank you. It's one mm. thing to shut the door. Yeah, 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 say, and, oh, so, and I made contact with this guy. Just, just right. unbelievable. Oh, what a gift. You know was. who he is. Oh, yeah. just gift to us. What a gift of the universe to me. Yeah. And he, and I had my psilocybin experience on mm. August 6th mm. on a Wednesday. It was hot down in his little pad in West mm. Vancouver, uh, East Van. Yeah. And um, a seven grams. And it was uh, like that. Can take, can the, I want to pause for us, not pause, but I want to just take a breath. Yeah. Because I, I want I want you to take us into that experience. Um, what were some of what would it feel like? What were some of the things yeah. that you left? Because that that is a it's one of these moments in your life that you're like, oh, I'll never forget that right. first moment. Right. Of, yeah. Of being in a high dose psilocybin, yeah, and what happens inside right. your psyche. So I think I think the the most important element of it is just how safe I felt with this guy. I mean, he was a he he worked with Ibogaine. He worked with lots of psychedelics. Very experienced, mm -hmm. and he just seemed so nonchalant. 
Mm-hmm. He just said, when I would ask him, is it safe? He just said, you're fine. He's fine. And he'd tell, tell me story after story yeah. after story. And, I, and so I really felt safe. Mm-hmm. I knew that, that I was in good hands. Um, and uh, so we went there. He had a couple little teeny little therapy dogs, which were really cute. And he laid me. We, he smudged this room. I didn't even know what smudging was. So he explained that to me. And uh, and then he kind of pulled the mushroom apart and mixed it with honey. And he said, uh, "I said, how much are you giving me?" And he said, seven grams." As like I had I had learned in my schooling that five grams is considered like a massively large trip. Mm-hmm. And this is seven grams. And at the time, I thought that meant like worse or something right, like that right. it doesn't but i right. you know just didn't understand and so but i trusted him mm-hmm. so i took the seven grams he did a beautiful ceremony with me which was very moving mm-hmm. um using the four directions and mm-hmm. just you know there was a i think peg there was such an intentionality mm-hmm. of what he did it's just like you're taking this very yeah. seriously yeah like i'm really impressed with how important Mm. I am to you right now that this process that you're doing. Oh, that's all about safety, right? That's all mm. about this set and setting. Right. So that you can actually experience what, you know, the healing that you needed to experience without all of that care and the tenderness. It's, it's going to have a very different experience for your nervous right. system. Right. Yeah. And my intentions were, were pretty benign yeah. um, because I didn't, I mean, I was doing pretty good mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and uh, um, I think I said... I want to know. Uh, I want to know what happens after I die. Mm. Um, I want to. Is Sean okay? Mm-hmm. Um, is 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 the afterlife personal? These are the mm. questions I was curious Big about. Questions of the universe. Yeah, yeah. And um, what uh, great questions to bring to the mushroom? Like that's that's prime for that. Like the mushroom loves those kinds of questions. Of course, it does. Yeah, and, it's like oh, bring that. And but I My just, just like you, Peg. I had no idea what was about to happen. Yeah. No idea. Because wow. it, it, wow. you've never experienced it before, right? So then um, I began to feel the psychedelic uh, kicking in. So he put, he put the sh- these shades on, as yeah. you described. Yeah. And, Love, and yeah. I, I, went, I did the Johns Hopkins uh, kick your, oh, ass, kick your a, ass playlist. It's such a demanding playlist. Like, <laughs> really, really you have to just, just break their <laughs> being with this music. Like... Big orchestra. <laughs> the universe is ending, and it's inside of me. But wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No kidding, right? And uh, so, as I as I could feel the psychedelic starting, all of a sudden, I had this thought that I didn't want to do it. Oh. I got scared. Shoot, shoot, shoot. I got really scared. Oh. Crap. And I started. What have getting, I done? What have I done? Yeah. Like I got anxious. I go, oh, this. Like you can. Like you're so much easier when your brain dissolves than I am. When my when my default mode network, the like the thinking controlling yeah, the brain, it when it starts to lose its feelings, yeah. yeah, like I know that that's enjoyable for you, but yeah. for me it isn't enjoyable, and it still hasn't been. I I find I have turbulence, right? Like I kind of mm. fight it a little bit, and so this was my very first time in a psychedelic of any kind, and I could feel it, and um, and then as I'm starting, my anxiety starting to ramp up a little bit. So maybe it starts at two, and now it's three, now it's four, and it's climbing. I felt movement. Hmm. Off to my side, and one of those little dogs must have felt oh, me. Oh yeah! Jumped on the bed, came onto my legs, and fell asleep on my legs. Wow! Just regulating your nervous system. Right? Just a dog did it. Dog back. can do that. Yeah. Right. Horses can too. Co-regulation. Yeah. Right. And so I just started feeling this dog, and I thought, you know, this little dog cares enough about me. Mm. And I said, and I started thinking, and there's Trevor right mm. there beautiful Trevor holding space for me. 
And I thought of Adele, who was at the Vancouver Public Library, marking papers and praying for me and her love towards me. And I, everything I've learned about this, this medicine is that it's good. Yeah. It, it could be challenging, but it's here to, to heal me, yeah. to instruct me, to guide me. And I went, ah, oh, fuck it, let's go. And you just kind of let just, go. I let go. Wow. And I, quite honestly, I don't remember a lot. But the first thing I remember, I'll just tell this, you know, one little story is I, I've told it before, but um, all of a sudden I was in dad's bedroom the day he died. Wow. Or right before he died. Now, which was never happened in real life because right. we weren't allowed in his bedroom. If I didn't, the last time I saw my dad alive was like two and a half weeks before he died. Because that was just the way they did it back then. And, but now I'm in his room and in an instant I felt the, the suffering that he was in mm -hmm. as he's thinking about himself as a father, as a husband, a, a wasted life, um, very common. Do you remember Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? That, that oh, she, the, right dad, the, end, yeah. the dad character having to take mm -hmm. an audit of his life and it's not the returns aren't coming back good. I could feel that suffering. But by that time, I had forgiven my dad like a decade right. earlier. Right. I'm not right. mad at my dad. Right. I love my dad. He brought so oh. much wisdom to my life. And so I, I went right up to him and I said, oh, dad, no. And Peg, this was as real as I'm talking to you. It's happening. Yeah. And I said, dad, Look at the man I am. You made me. Thank you. And I had this moment. We just embraced for like crying for like minutes. And I don't know what yours was like, but every song seemed to be a new thing. Yeah. Every yeah. on the playlist, they would like, yeah, it would like end 60 and then, songs. And then it's 60 vignettes. Kind of. It's, they're like scenes in a yeah. movie or yeah, something it's like not that. Kind of. It's exactly like a scene in a movie that you're in. Right. You're in the movie. Yeah. Exactly. And so it ended, and then that ended. And so I just I, I paused the music and, and said, I took my shades off and I said, this is my first real psychedelic yeah. experience. I said, I just had the most powerful moment with my father. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I know. I felt him here. And I remember thinking, all right, crazy man, I'll deal right. with you later. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah. you're just beginning. You just opened the yeah. door to go, oh, so this entered. Can I just make a quick comment sure. on that experience? Because kind of a bit of a meta thing on that. You know, when I hear you have this, this moment with your dad, it's... I really want to punctuate something for the listener. It's, it's as, it's as real for your, for your emotional experience of, as any other experience you've had. It's not like, like I read an old note with from my dad, right. or hey, I saw some old pictures from my dad, and I like was a, like reminded. a mental process yeah. or something. This is a different process. Oh, yeah. So it bypasses, you know, your default mode network and you're right into an emotional experience with your father that you bond, connect, feel, talk, have resolution and closure. And it's as real as if he's sitting here right now. And it's not just doesn't just feel as real. It has this, it has this lasting effect on your rest of your life, as if you had closure with him right here in front mm. of you. That's how powerful that is. Yeah. You cannot do that. I've never seen that, po you can't, that's not possible. Like just to be able to give people that kind of uh, a corrective experience. Remember last week you talked about that moment you had with your mother yes. in the trip. It, it's as, it, I wouldn't say it's as if it's real. It's, it's the only, way I can describe to you so you can understand what it's like to say it's just like this yeah 
Like, yeah. I get it, it's not bodies, but it is no yeah. less like, Impactful. oh, that happened. Yeah. That actually happened. I don't doubt for a second right. that what I experienced there was reality. Yeah. So that's what you're yes, saying. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, a, I think that's when, um, that's the part of, the, of this story to me that, that makes these substances so important for our culture, is that we can get healing and corrective experiences emotionally and closure and in all through these altered state experiences we we have that technology now mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah you know i it's a good word for it, technology. it, it we have a technology i i was holding space for a, a young woman who had lost her father 18 years ago and was so traumatized by his death and passing she had never even talked to her children about her father it was too much so they just even know really that they had a grandpa at one time, you know, like they did, they were born after he was gone. And in this mushroom experience, she danced with her father at her wedding. He had died before the heaven. It was her dream to dance with her dad at her wedding. How beautiful. That happened. And I was watching her dance with her eyes closed, with her hands. And she just said, I'm dancing with my father. And there's tears yeah. pouring down her face. Yeah. And she danced with her dad for six minutes. And she came out of that experience and said, it was as I could feel his skin against my skin. I could feel his breath. I could hear his words saying, I love you. I could feel it on my body as we moved to the music. And you say, it didn't happen. I'm like, it happened to her. This happened in this altered state experience. Yes. But the healing that if it, it was happened, just one person, right? Then you go, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It Bill get we yeah. talked about Bill Richards' book thousands Sacred Knowledge. And Read and that book. Yeah. He talks. He's he's trying to grapple with the same issue we're grappling with. But the evidence just became too much. Yeah, he's like, they, how do I scientifically explain these kind of right. mystical experiences right. that people have? But they're too much, so they have to now be explained by science. Right. We have to study this. Um, uh, the other guy. Uh, um, oh, sorry, my name's. Um, from Johns Hopkins, oh, yeah. the, Bill Richards, uh, and the tall, skinny guy. Anyways, one of the top scientists in the world has, in a TED talk, rebuked science, saying, "If we are we are to be studying phenomena, we're supposed mm -hmm. to be studying things, even if we don't understand those things. And yeah. we have said spiritual things are not real. Over ninety percent of every human being that has walked our planet has felt a spirituality." has believed in something spiritual. Who are we, science, to say to them that that isn't real? Yeah. We're, we can't make that adjudication mm -hmm. if we've not studied it. Yeah. And he says, and now with psychedelics, for the first time, we have an opportunity to study yeah. it. And if you are not open to studying psychedelics, you are not a scientist. Yeah, that was, I remember, I, I heard that recently too. And, uh, and it was like, bring it on. And, and Cesar says the same thing as a psychiatrist. Tessa, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, ben. Cesar. Yeah. Sousa. Sousa, yeah. yeah. He just says, uh, I, I challenge any psychiatrist in the world to actually look at our data. And, and I'm saying, get, get on, start exploring this. Get curious. Because now we've got a substance that we can replicate. We can replicate an experience with thousands of people and then begin to get the data. This isn't just like, well, one in a hundred does this. About ninety percent do this, right? What did what does Richard say that when um, a person is able to have what they call a uh, a peak mm. uh, mystical experience or yeah. a peak yeah. spiritual yeah. experience yeah. during yeah. Yeah. that is the highest correlated variable to outcomes to healing, yeah, to healing, yeah, to that's incredible, isn't it? What yeah. does that say about us? 
and our, and our need for spiritual connection. Yeah. That so. when we have it in a meaningful way, mental health heals. Mm. Yeah. All we have to do is connect to something beyond ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's what does Bill Richards say? That is beautiful, connective to everything's connected. Mm-hmm. It's full of love. It's full of purpose. He says, mm-hmm. everyone, it doesn't matter whether yeah. you're Buddhist or Hindu or yeah. Muslim, materialist. It's to do with Michael Pollan. Yeah. Michael Pollan. You can be an atheist. You can be a Muslim, Hindu. You're all going to have very, very similar experiences. In this sense, similar. Yeah. Right? We're going to say these five traits are going to show up in all of your things. And then from a mental health point of view, what is undeniable is 60 to 70 to 80% in certain populations mm-hmm. respond positively to this treatment and most of those populations in the research trial were treatment resistant in other words our mm. batting average with them is zero yeah. they're resistant to treatment mm. i mean that wow. like um uh, david nutt who's uh he's the drug the drug guy in, from the uk from imperial college he said as the as the telescope was to astronomy as the microscope was to, to microbiology yeah. he said Psychedelics will be the psychology. Yeah, you'll be able to go now. You'll be you've able got to a tool. You can you've look a, you in. Can look inside. You can look into that which you've never been subconscious. In. Yeah, and we can start measuring and looking and and and, and changing the setting, and and priming for, with intentions, and we can really help shape this using this tool. When I do the training, this I give them my conceptual framework, which is just how I've understood it from smart people and what makes sense to me. It's not the only way of thinking about it, but my. I think the mechanism of change is it's a it's a it's a combination of things. First of all, it's set and setting is a big part of it. So first of all, is a is a felt sense of being loved and attuned to by mm. one or two caring people that you can feel confident in, that you can feel safe, that they are not going to hurt you, that you can trust them. That is that's one big piece. Yeah. Number two, that you've spent some time crafting or shaping intentions mm. and ugh, the way i think of that peg is all of us have values so someone who's dying comes to see me mm. they're dying they've been given a diagnosis of cancer or something and they come to see me and say uh i know that i can't change my diagnosis or it's out of my hands but i'm suffering mm. i hate i want i hate my life and i and so i go well what would you prefer and they said I want to live the last days of my life in openness and, mm-hmm. and connection with not my children fear. and not fear. And, and so that's a value. Yeah. And then I said, but the reality of my life is I'm down here. And I, and I said, okay, is it your intention? Would you like to live there? Yeah, with, in line right? with your values. And what's holding you back? And they'll say, well, uh, I'm a people pleaser mm-hmm. and I don't know how to ask for help or you know, whatever it might yeah. be. And I said, bring that to the mushroom. Yeah. That's honest in your part because yeah. a mushroom yeah. is a fucking pattern breaker mm-hmm. right so there's the the nurturing relationship there's the the intentions the minds mm-hmm. that they bring and then we bring them into a context where the we pay close attention to the energies in the room mm-hmm. we want to make sure there's nature there mm-hmm. we don't do it in a clinical setting we do it in like a room like we're in right now that's soft and inviting we make sure all their needs mm-hmm. we do a little ceremony right mm-hmm. and then we, we give them the psilocybin, and I'll talk about that in a sec. We, we assist, I almost think of it as a co-therapist, is we give these carefully curated playlists by some of the smartest people on our planet in mm. these fields, trying to understand how what kind of musical vibrational energy 
is going to cooperate at this point at in this trip. in the peak. Yeah, because now they've mapped these peaks. How are we going to launch you? Machines. How are we going to launch you through turbulence? Yeah. How are we going to take you as the trip deepens? What are we going to do with you in peak? And how are we going to bring you back down? These, these folks like Mendel Kalin and Bill Richards think about this all the time. Yeah. And so this playlist holds us, mm. guides us in ketamine, and you become part of it. Yeah. It's just really crazy. Um, mm. And then. Uh, so what I and then they go in. They, we put eye shades on them because we want it to be internally focused. And what I think happens is this: there's this this hub up top of our cortex called the default mode network, and it's very very powerful. And it it, it keeps us. Um, it's the it's the part that you and I are talking yeah. with each. It yeah. keeps us living life, right? But it it prevents us from from. Uh, when, I'll put this way, when the default mode network is in, we've done fMRI imaging, and it, it looks like about 20% of the brain is talking right. to it. It's being, just little, there's just too much yeah. control up here, yeah. right? And when you put someone on psilocybin, that same picture lights up like a Christmas tree, and we have what, was, what we believe is called full functional brain connectivity. So parts of the brain are talking to They've each other. They've never talked before. And now, now the brain can solve problems. Mm-hmm. And if, if, say, a trauma from your past, is holding you back from your values. Now you can access it, and it mm. comes up in in the ways. That, and that's why I think it does because it the brain is healing itself. And mm. we say we use this idea that you have a healing agency within you that yeah. wants to do it. It's that, just that's it's, pre, it's prevented I, by that's this. Such a co- interesting concept. This I never heard of it until I got into this work. The inner healing intelligence that we all have inside of us. Right. That there that we our bodies. And our, our, our hearts, our minds, our emotions want to come to homeostasis. They want you to find balance. Your body naturally heals when you get a cut. Yep. It has its own inner healing intelligence. You don't have to do anything. You have to think about the white blood cells that have got to rush there to clot and to do this. And You don't have to think about that. But it's sometimes you have to help it if the wound is too big. Right, right. So you Sometimes need you need some sort yeah. of outside intervention. Else, It's just too much. I mean, the systems, yeah. the healing systems we have are good, right. but they can, be, they can be stalled and prevented from complete healing. And so why would it be any mm. different with our mind with mental injuries? Right. So if you give it the right tools, right. the right technology, right. you access this inner It knows how to do it. And, and like, way better I mean, than I would know how to do it. Right. If I've got to make theories on your life, how you're supposed to heal, right. what the hell do I know? I'm not in your brain. Yeah. I wasn't there when you were a baby. I don't know, mm-hmm. right? But you know. Your brain remembers. Your brain knows exactly what mm. it needs to do. And I think that's why we're seeing results mm. beyond which, because we are not doing the healing. Mm-hmm. Not the therapist, not the guys. We're doing, we're holding space. Right. That's what we're doing. Mm. They, we're setting them up for it, but it's there. You're going to heal yourself. You're going to heal yourself. Yeah, you're going to Doesn't that sound like a little more robust? That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So take me back into your trip, because I know we just finished your dad's yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, or, or, or maybe no, kind no, of I'll just amalgam say, them. I do want to kind of say that, that, um, as beautiful as that moment was, and there was, there was, I really had nothing but beautiful moments. Mm. It really was. But it was like really super, super duper intense. Mm. Uh, it was, I remember when I was done, Trevor said, how was it? And I said, that was the most powerful, spiritual experience of my entire life. And I am never doing that again. And it was so much. <laughs> right? It was like no, a fire hydrant. Of- it just was so intense. Yeah. It was beautiful. But it really was really really mm-hmm. intense, and a lot of I just say that because I don't want to yeah. like I don't want to mislead people to think that it's, it's just, easy, yeah, or fun or enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. might sometimes people have to face patterns that they've that have become entrenched for for decades, yeah. and and it's just really hard. Now we do this is where the guides can be so useful because 
when we can when we tell that someone is is in distress or having a hard time we 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 come alongside them we hold their hand for connection and then we just take their headphones off a bit and we just say okay use your breath use your breath move mm. toward this thing that's scaring you it's yeah. just your wisdom is asking yeah. you to face something don't be afraid of it the, the 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 struggle the pain you're feeling is because you're fighting it yeah. but if you if you surrender to it it will transform and it does it's just amazing sometimes sometimes we have to take people get their feet into the earth mm -hmm. we think psilocybin seems to like the earth a lot yeah and that ground them that sort of grounds physically them. but yeah. I've, you know, all the work I've done, mm -hmm. I think you as well, and really not just us, but the community of psychedelic healers around the planet. Uh, what is, what is Bill Rich, Roland Griffiths, that's the name the of Roland that, Griffiths that, that scientist. That. He yeah. says, we have overseen through uh, Johns Hopkins and other studies about 5,000 psychedelic trips. And he said there had been no bad trips. He said there have been challenging ones, but none that a person looks back on and says, that was bad for me. Mm -hmm. Think of that. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, that's a testimony to how hard they've really worked to build nice, safe containers of, of integration and trying to follow people through after they're in their study. They've really tried to work hard because that's, yes, these substances can really destabilize people. Yeah. And if, they're, if you're not in a connected family and group and people and you just have a big experience, it's going to be really hard to find people to help you make sense of that. Right. So that's why... A, Finding a great community in which to to land integrate, in after, integrate, yeah. and we so had important. you had that I had that it was so great that we had people that were open to us and friendly and gave us a chance to talk and really make sense in our brains. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that uh, another experience I had during my very first trip was um, like the, just like you, the first half of my trip was very personal. I was dealing with people I know. And I, I referred to them as like dances or scenes or whatever these vignettes with people I know. They were all very, some are really sad, a lot of crying, but they're very, very beautiful. Um, but the second half of the trip was all, all universal, large level. Mm. Um, I just realized in an instant when all of a sudden I was in the cosmos with, with the divine energy of the cosmos, I, I recognized with a nanosecond how feminine it was. And I think that showed just how out of balance my spirituality had been. You know, God bless my Christianity, but it's so patriarchal, so, so masculine. Yeah. You know, and so and so I was so out of balance that when I felt this feminine energy, it was it was so beautiful, mm -hmm. and like my heart had been longing to be touched. Mm -hmm. You, I think you had a very similar kind oh, of experience. Man, that, that was if you, you know, I think I said it last week. That's probably the biggest. That's the biggest realization that I had was the, the feminine nature of, of the divine source of God of love. Yeah. It's so, and I just was, I hadn't, I'd been so conditioned into a patriarchal male kind of lever pulling God that was doing shit. And this was, a well, you taught that. Yeah. And this was just upended my entire world. I know what God and, and do like. I believe that there's a balance within all things? Of a call of the yin and yang, yeah. masculine and feminine. I do, but I I was so out of balance mm -hmm. that I, I thought, and I do still think, if I spend the rest of my spiritual life here yeah. moving toward the feminine, I'm still not going to balance it all. Yeah, exactly. I, I've it, had 50 years of patriarchal masculine. Just purpose driven, yeah, yeah, you know, right? Maximum impact, all that, all kind that, of do things, do yeah. things, accomplish yeah, things, right? Yeah. It's a war we're on, we, you know, it's so massive. Well, even though it's weird, but yeah. even in its healthiest, still, you know, you, you help me understand this that these two core 
kind of forces of universe of love and, mm, and purpose, purpose moving, commingling. Yeah. So you can think of them as masculine and feminine. It's just that purpose in doing things that all I'd ever been exposed to. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I love nurture and closeness mm. and, and, and connection. And you felt in those moments that you had a personal engagement right. with the divine so, force. So in one of these moments, uh, in the second half of my trip, I saw myself both saw myself in my mom's womb, but also I was looking out at the universe, mm -hmm. like from there. It was just like you see on some of those shows, like a, like the this fetus sitting in the yeah. sack, kind of yeah. like that. And while I was in it, this presence, this happened in my trip, came right, right here. Up by your face. And said, I have seen you since the day you came into existence. I love I'm never far from you. I'm with you. I am in you. And I was just like, I have never felt such love in my entire life as I do in this moment. I feel seen. I feel loved. I feel safe. Powerful. That's unbelievable, Dave. Like that, when you, that just resonates so deep into my core. Because you felt it too. I felt that too. And yours and, was more in the face of your mom. Yep. The same singing, same energy. This singing feminine mother, looking into these feminine eyes, singing to me as a, like I it felt you know, and it's like, what an incredible feeling to have yeah. that you are loved. Just because of who you are, and do you, do you feel think? that it's not a that's not a cognitive thing. No, it's so For not. me, it's like oh, I've lived my whole life in my head with you know. Theology and this and philosophy and and this was an experiential thing. This is a feeling that I got and I I talked, oh, I talked to a friend about a year ago and we were talking he's not He hadn't for whatever reason just not his walk to do the psychedelics and he was challenging me a little bit about some of the ideas that are have about mm. the after, no, I won't call it the afterlife just whatever happens behind. Sure. and and the nature of the universe just say and and I said to him the way I see it now, think of everything you long for to be true about that place. I mean you truly long to be true. Mm -hmm. It's that. And he said, that's too good to be true. Mm -hmm. I went, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. And you don't want to have that kind of, I know more than you kind of right, attitude, right. and I don't really. Yeah. But I, I know that what I felt, if that's what life is like, then what a beautiful life and I, I think for me and, and I know that you we talked about this is is that that experience of life is available right now like this moment it's when you say that you know if I can make yeah, a, just yeah. this almost playfully say to you that feels like what we used Dismissive. to say in the church too yeah. though right Jesus is right here for you yeah. and it and yeah. but we but we meant something different then. yes I know but it, we're it, saying exactly. similar kind of energies yeah like similar Jesus kind of the kingdom of God is here in your midst it's you know Jesus would say the kingdom of God starts right now right. it's it's right. opportunities right. Right. right now and you we know? would we would pair like, those yeah, words yeah, but we had no I, idea what he was talking about yeah right, right. And, I just and, think there's an irony yeah there. and I I think if if you begin to start pulling back the the layers of um what do we mean by that we mean that experientially you don't have to live in hell in your mind yeah. that the the chaos of your thinking mind has held you captive for so long well said 
held you captive. It yeah. feels like you're. What does Rumi say? That that um, you're in a you're in a prison of your own making. Yeah. You've you have designed it. Yeah. And you are holding yourself within it. Yeah. And you're only doing as good as you're you're kind of navigating the stresses of your week. Yeah. Like I've got that. I got that. I got got that person mad at me. I got this. I got financial stress. And you're just trying to kind of. Ah, I think I've got it right now. Like I think I've got the nine balls in the air. And that feels like that's as good as life's going to get. Yeah. And so two things happened after my trip, Peg. Um, one happened about a week later. And uh, I, it, just as it happened, when I would do weed, uh, sometimes if I watch a movie that got pretty like death-focused, it, it fucked me up. It creeps you out. I remember I told you about that, that I just remember I'd say like, ah, no, I've got to be careful with watching certain movies. I remember we watched Get Down or Get Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's too much. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to Not when I'm high. Not when I'm high. It's fucking with my brain a little bit. And so, but a week later, Adele and I watched a movie or something. I got high while I watched the movie. And death presented itself in the movies that they do in every show, in every movie. And I went, I'm not afraid of death. Oh, I'm not afraid of death. This isn't scaring me. This isn't messing with me. Like, authentically, I'm not making this up. And I said that, that I didn't know, I didn't bring that as an intention to the trip, but that happened. Wow. The other thing that happened was um, I couldn't wait for you to get back from Morocco. That was one of the, I, was, I remember I was, took you out for lunch or something and I, I knew the look on your face. I knew what it would be when I told you I had my trip because it happened while you were gone. Yeah, it all it. happened while you were that. gone and I didn't have you to talk to about it. Yeah. And, and I knew that you would just be like, like a kid at Christmas or yeah, something, like, and go. you and you were, yeah. you were so excited. You're first like, you got to take me. Yeah, I said, three days from now, let's go. Already got it in my brain, and so and you mm -hmm. were, you know, you were. Ever read the book The Alchemist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember how he book. talks about oh. you get beginner's luck. Yeah. Well, you were my beginner's luck, yeah. right? Because you you held your own space. Mm. I and I'll be really honest with you, Peg. I had no idea it was doing. And I sat beside the class clown. Right, right, I, right. Right. I, I, imitate, I imitate things, yeah. things and things. And so, he told me to do this. Okay, here's but the this, mushrooms. But this is real-time therapy. Yeah. This is real-time work that, that you've got to know what you're doing. Yeah. And I didn't. And so the second trip I held was with someone I love very dearly. And it was, that's when I knew I was in the big leagues. Yeah, like, oh, this is different. But, but I kept thinking to myself, and, but the, the, what kept me going was mm. afterwards, everybody did so fantastic. Mm. Well, you were, you were, it was great because you were handpicking non no, Yeah, I wasn't people. doing clinical people. No, no, you no, were just friend, uh, friends. People that I know that yeah, are, that are could, pretty good attachment. Right. They grew up with a mom that Absolutely, loves 100%. And then you, at least you've got that, you know, right. I remember I was with, uh, I was sitting with Paul, Paul Stamets and Pam Crisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Shannon Dames from the VIU folks. Yeah, and, the uh, Roots and Thrive guys. Yeah, yeah, the Roots and Thrive folks. We were talking about, you know, mushrooms and this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Pam had said something. Paul was sitting there and, and Pam had said, if you gave me a list of people who uh, I'd want to hold space with me, I could have the best therapist, this, 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 and this. If I had someone who grew up with properly attachment, I want them in this Right. Place. 100% agree with that. I, I don't I can't barely know what they're doing. Just at the end of the day, when shit goes sideways, your nervous system is going to default to, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm, I'm safe. Right. I'm loved. 100% agree. You're like, 100%. Having that give me default. zero ace factors. Right. Zero ace factors. <laughs> and that's who you want in the room, right? Exactly. And that's kind of who you were working yeah, with in the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so, um, but I, I just couldn't deny the changes that were happening. My first patient who was dying of cancer I took through. Mm. 
was in Peg. She was suffering mm-hmm. before her psilocybin yeah, journey. Yeah. Then after her psilocybin journey, she's full of love. She's open. It's just Incredible. it. And and we kept saying you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I would talk a lot. Kept saying it over and over again. I'm not going to talk much about this, but just to make yeah. full circle, is um, is that uh, uh, it was later that year that my anxiety came back, mm-hmm. and it came back pretty big, and it surprised me because I I just thought that hey what what gives i did this psilocybin yeah i thought i'm fixed i kind of thought that yeah, maybe yeah. tacitly yeah because i hadn't felt any anxiety right, at all right. during the fall and then it came back big time mm-hmm. involved you you know the story yeah. and um and i had just been starting into i try to understand uh, mdma therapy i was trying to get into maps training and so um uh, i was able to someone held space and was able to use mdma with me and I, i'll tell that story another day but just to say um, for the first time in my life, 30 years of being in this mm-hmm. space of working with trauma, working with my trauma, doing you know all the best stuff, didn't get to a core experience that mm-hmm. that I I didn't didn't even know really was there. Whoa! Right, and under the like a childhood experience. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. two and a half years yep. old. Yeah, and I of course it's a story that I'd heard, but I didn't know anything mm-hmm. about it. And, and I was able to find that little boy in this MDMA experience and heal him and, or connect to him, yeah. bring him back to me. And I told the story to my brother mm-hmm. um, uh, about uh, a month later. Yeah. And he said, he said, this room you were in, did it look like this, this, and this? Mm-hmm. And I, he began to validate and what I went, you yeah. saw, and he goes, too. He goes, oh, that happened in the foster home, Dan. He said, oh, validating. The, right? It just was so beautiful. And then, uh, right then, Reg and I went and got certified in ketamine. Ketamine training down yeah, the States. Yeah, and then, yeah. then COVID hit. And then it just was all crazy. What would you, you know, what would you say? Because this is going to be, a, we'll keep talking. That, that's what it. got me into it. Yeah. Here. So go but ahead. What would you kind of, in, we're, we're, you know, we're kind of coming down, trying yeah. to land this a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, as you, if you look back now, and there's, you've had so many other trips as you've continued to do your work and staying in the, we call it staying in the medicine, right? We're staying in the work that we're yep, doing. Yep. Um, what would you say is some of the biggest shifts that have happened? Not, not the particulars in each trip, but if you look back at the cumulative, here's how I'm really, here's what I'm learning about myself, or here's how I'm growing, or here's, here's something I'm, I'm realizing about myself Ooh. as I heal. I had, I had a... You know, every medicine trip just has its own thing. Uh, I had a ketamine with you, you for our group. You, yeah, you held space, space for, and we yeah. did this. And it was just beautiful. I had a very clear intention that matched me. But I'll go back to one foundational shift that, that yeah. happened in my life that still continues to have big time ramifications to how I live. I was, uh, I was on the psychedelic uh, called 2CB, kind of a mm. different kind of one. Ooh, that's going to come on the scene when, oh, that's got a real good track record. Yeah, I didn't As really MDMA, know. As uh, MDMA, it's going to come and it'll replace MDMA in four years. That's my prediction. Seriously. I think so. I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, but the guy that I was working with, she she understood it well yeah. and, and she wanted to try it and with me. And so, and it, it was uh, very different than, than psilocybin in the sense that I felt like, like I was thinking all these things. They're not yeah. like I felt like more in charge of it or something yeah, along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. But I would think I would one point I go, Am I making this up? But then mm. I went, Well, I don't seem to think like this when I'm right, sober. So right, obviously right, right. it's a psychedelic. But anyways, um I had a moment in the middle of this trip where um uh, this woman took my hand, my guide. 
she held my, I was on the floor, laying on the floor, working some shit out, and she held my hand, and as I held the hand of this woman, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I start feeling some shame. Mm. The shame of men, the shame of white men, and just thinking how many hundreds and thousands of sessions have I sat in and, and heard stories about how men have hurt people, boys and girls, women. And, and you know, this was right, uh, this was the week of the, in, uh, in Minneapolis, the George... Uh, oh, oh uh, the, the killing, the shooting of, of um, George... George Ferguson? George Floyd? George Floyd. George Floyd, Floyd, yeah. George Floyd. And it was right then. So yeah. this was like, you know, just... And Trump is at his worst mm -hmm. at that point. This is mm -hmm. like June of 2020. Trump is at... He's just a, a maniacal calling the world to that yeah. energy. Yeah. Like force and yeah. power and domination. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just... And all... And, and what came to me in that moment, Peg, was that even though I'm a nice guy, I'm not a racist... I'm not. I wasn't raised a racist. In fact, my dad was a civil rights guy. But I was supporting a system. A part of a system. A principality. Mm. That uh, Jesus said, or Paul said this, and mm. the Bible says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not people. People are fine. But people create systems. And that's what we wrestle against. That is the, the real hard thing. Like you and I talked a few weeks ago. Capitalism, man. Mm. Yeah. Go watch... Um, uh, the, the, what's that one, the best picture about the people that go wander on the road? Oh, a Nomadland? Nomadland. Oh, yeah. Watch Nomadland, and it is a critique of capitalism like you'll never hear. Anyways, um, I'm, this shame starts coming over me, and it was starting to get bigger and bigger. I could feel it like a weight on my chest. I was having trouble breathing. I think my guy's like, you okay, okay. And, but, but I, I felt, I just, it just was coming on me, all yeah, this shame yeah. of my whole people, my tribe, mm -hmm. men, and it's just coming on me. And, and all of a sudden I saw out my left side, Jesus was there. And I went, oh, Jesus, my brother. And he, he reached out his hand. And as I took his hand, all this shame left me and went into him. He was able to hold it. Wow. And I said, oh, Jesus, thank you so much because it was so painful on me. And he said, no, no problem, Dave. He said, but, but this, he says, that's what I do. I'm fine. I can take all your pain. He said, but the karma... This is going to take a long time to work to out. To work this out into in real life relationships right. and families and marriages and, and single moms and down the line, rape right? victims and, and, so and, and. As he had said that to me and there was yeah. a sense of truth and wisdom about what yeah. he said. So I went, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to start working my karma off now. Yeah. And all of a sudden there was a parade. Mm. And the parade was, was women and people of color mm. and they were marching. And like me, if I can, you make Trump like the bad guy, like all that he stands for. They're marching against that, and I didn't know because I'm so like I'm also a man. I'm the bad guy, mm. and I thought, do I, do I join in the parade? Do I not mm. join in the parade? And I, and and I said there was a man of color leading the parade, and I said I don't know where I belong here. Can I can I march? He said, absolutely, you can march, but go to the back of the line. And shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And that might sound harsh to some people, but what it meant to me was, quit trying to use your white—you know, your white man, but your male dominance mm -hmm. that you don't even know you're doing in conversations, in 
with other people. It's just so how you operate, men, that we need you to further back or you're just yeah. going to take it over again. Yeah. You talked to me about this yeah. something lately. And so anyways, that was transformative. So I'll, I'll move forward to uh, last summer I was teaching a course uh, and there was a, a, an Indigenous woman in my course. And, this, and I found Canada Day 2021 a very, very powerful because, you know, I grew up in Kamloops. And, you know, right and, and, and I'm living with a woman whose heart is breaking for all the mothers who lost children. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very much around that energy, you and your daughters, and just like I, I'm mourning for Canada. I'm mourning for, for how horribly they, they were the holders of this land. We mm -hmm. came to this land and we, we did all these things. And so I'm trying to make sense of this. And... Um, this there was a it was right after that I was in this class and this and beautiful indigenous woman started talking about her story and she said that uh, her father was supposed to go to that school and only her uncles went mm. For some reason her father didn't go and all her uncles were killed wow. and she's dealing with that could have been my dad and I would never have been born then wow. right and and all of that and so I just started to weep it just all of it just kind of hit me again and and I kind of said what I'm saying here and I and and she said you know Dave that's that's I think all I care to hear mm. is that you you genuinely recognize what you did and that you want to change yeah we don't we we obviously can't balance mm. the yeah. the you know the the, the balance sheet or whatever we can't it's not going to happen. No, so that to me is where mm -hmm. I'm trying to really wow. live my life. Be true to who I am. I love myself as Dave. I'm, I'm a teacher. People like my teaching. I get, you know, I'm a national yeah. trainer for psilocybin. But even when I go into my cohorts, I just, I, I, I tell them all, look, I'm a white man. This is, this is against the script now. Mm. And I thank you that you're going to give me an opportunity to, to display my gifts and my knowledge. And because I think I'm good at this. But I want you to know that that I've got I've got tendencies, and you need to call me on them, mm. and I, I'll try to be open. Yeah. Wow. So that that's, that's something amazing. that you say. What's kind of really going on yeah. in your life these days? It's kind of in that. I I, I love that, and I think there's um, <coughs> what what I what I love it, that we're ending at is the psychedelic work. Um, yes, it has a deep spiritual component to it. Yes, it has a deep trauma healing component to it. Yes, it can make sense of our lives and help us to find congruence inside and help us match with our values. And as part of the transformative process, it brings us in line with the bigger values of the universe. And these are values of connection and love and belonging. Humility. And humility and allowing the feminine to rise and allowing uh, people of color and people that have been marginalized to move forward. All of this is all connected. Like you think... Oh, the psychedelics are over here and the social justice stuff is over here. It's like, no, 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 no. The psychedelic movement is, in essence, empowering some of this change in yeah. consciousness that's yep. happening. I, I believe that. And it's all. And so as you are encountering the psychedelic movement and its healing, you cannot escape the downline effect of, well, then if I'm showing this. And I'm going to have to the confronting of your own life. You have to confront your own life. And you're like, well, what will that make? Who will you be now? How will you treat your children differently? How will you engage your wife differently? You see, you've said this at Nexus from day one. Ethics are the are the the test the test yeah. of of the what do you of like the to worldview. Live with? 
What do you like to live with, right? Exactly, man. That's exactly the this you know the C.S. Lewis line is. I don't care about your theology because I just want to know what do you like to live with on a day to day basis, and right. that's going to tell me everything about your beliefs. Isn't that say that's a that's a song that you were drawn to early yeah. in your life? Yeah. You knew the truth of that, right? You're just like right there. You know, I I heard this great line. So I mean, if if someone doesn't believe in reincarnation, fine. I just do. So mm -hmm. I understand the universe, and whatnot. So from that framework, a this, cyclical cycle. Yeah, of growing. Growth, and yeah, yeah. We always continue to move forward right. and grow in yeah. that kind of reincarnation. Yeah. And she said to the people that she was speaking, but in my case, me. She said, "This may not always be your life, mm -hmm. but it is your life now. Make it count." Wow. And it's just like, yep. I don't know what happens afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I think something happens and don't have it yeah. not been revealed to me. But that doesn't matter. I have a life now with friends, mm -hmm. with, with, with fellow citizens, with mm -hmm. COVID. I have a relationship with my grandchildren, with my body, with my ecology. And, and I'm, I have been shown the truth of things in terms, like you say, the, the, the energies. It's like physics. Mm -hmm. Why would... Why would you not jump off my roof down to the ground? Because you believe that there's a force, an unseen force called gravity. And if you don't cooperate with it, you're going to break your leg. That we begin to, say, to apply that same framework to, mm -hmm. to other unseen forces. But we yeah. know when we cooperate, then the one easiest for us to get our mind around is love. We, we can study this. Mm -hmm. When people do loving kindness meditations, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. they get better. Yeah. You need to under, you need to step back and, and ask some hard questions. Mm. What is it about love, the brain, that allows us to be more functional, more neuroplastic, mm. yeah. more adaptive? And I would say at one level, it's because love is a force of the universe. It's not just an idea that, that you read in right. novels. It's an actual thing. And if you cooperate with it, just like cooperating yeah. with physics, get in the flow, move mm. with. Yeah. Life is just better and easier. And, and, you don't and, break your leg as much. Exactly. And, and Interstellar does such a good it's job. A, such a, that's a great of scene. Saying, what if love is a force like gravity? Yeah. Because that's the premise of the Something's film. drawing me to this planet yep. Yep. galaxies away. Yeah, absolutely. What if love pay. is a force like gravity. Yep. And that we can eventually harness, understand, explain it, and it can move beyond time. I love space. talking with you. You and I, our brains just love yeah. to dance around these this ideas. This has been a great conversation. Thanks, Dave. Man. Thank you so much for just pulling us into your story, and we're going to hear way more. But that is, uh, it's just absolutely beautiful. And amazing, eh? Yeah. And, and you know, Peg, you told your story last week. I told my story. Everybody's got the stories. Yeah. Their own thing. We Their are own continue to unveil. And that's exactly unveil that's, stories and it's so lives. interesting to yeah. talk to people and, and because yeah, it's so connected, so interesting. It makes so much sense. Looking forward to having a guest on pretty soon. Yes, so. next yeah. guest. Guest. Okay. Thanks. Hey, that's Unveiled Podcast. Have a great have a great week. Week weekend.